1: Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany in Allen, their office was designed with you, the patient in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Taylor Raglan and Devin Hassan. Uh, gentlemen, week one of high school football season is here, <laughs> and after uh, spending the past month uh, previewing all of our districts, we get a chance to talk about the actual games themselves. Um, and obviously, as we did last year, that means starting with our uh, our reader-voted game of the week. Uh, first off, thank you to everybody for going to the website, starlocalmedia.com, and voting among the five nominees. Um, not a whole lot of debate, <laughs> Among the readers, at least, as far as what the, uh, the biggest game is on our local coverage docket, um, Allen and Cedar Hill. It's one of the more high-profile games in the state, period. Albeit, not necessarily the game that we as a staff <laughs> anticipated being voted Game of the Week. Just because we hold Saxie to the highest possible standard. Um, I don't I don't know, Devin, yeah. did, did Saxie just graduate all of its football fans? Because the, uh, the poll is yeah. not exactly uh, what we're used to seeing well, out the, of Saxey. Their, their
2: voting prowess is pretty much unmatched in our coverage area. In I don't fact, think they've I ever think lost. They, I know. They entered the year undefeated in terms <laughs> of online polls as far as our Game of the Week is concerned. But uh, maybe it's just the first week. Maybe yeah. they haven't gotten uh, <laughs> got gotten the word Everybody's out. Everybody's still in
1: preseason uh, mode. Yeah, even the Saxie so, so so speaks.
2: So, but yeah, in house, I think we thought that Saxie and Coppell would get the nod. Not that Coppell doesn't have voters mm-hmm. itself, but the Saxie the Saxie online contingent is a strong and vocal one. They're a lot of fun mm-hmm. to to read about what they did. But uh, you know, maybe they'll uh, wake up next week, <laughs> and we'll see what happens in the future weeks.
3: There's nothing. There's nothing more vocal than a a mad Allen fan and i think with, <laughs> with some of the with some of the rankings that have come out and and some of the talk around this game and just some of the chatter around Allen in general maybe there's a it, even bigger chip on the shoulder of, of the Allen mm. faithful than normal.
1: And they were pushing that vote button extra, extra yeah. hard this time around. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, but nevertheless, though, no one's gonna you know balk at the idea of Allen versus mm. Cedar Hill being named uh, our game of the week. No. I mean, it's it, it's two of at least within the metroplex, two of the uh, kind of the legacy programs in recent uh, in recent memory. I mean, they've got a combined six state championships between them since uh, 2012. Um, they're programs that if you're just looking again, at like at the 6A level, you have like Allen. DeSoto, South Lake, Cedar Hill. Those are probably your four, like your Mount Rushmore of, of just of Dallas area high school programs just within the uh, just the last decade or so.
2: And, and somewhat new guard. You know, when yeah. you talk about traditional powers, uh, you know, we were talking about Katie off, oh, yeah. uh, off camera here. You know, Katie's been good for so many years, so many years. People just you know, more recent they think Allen and Cedar Hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are two of the first you know programs that popped to mind, but they're really two programs that have built themselves over the last 15 years oh, yeah. into the powerhouses they are because they're not, even though they've been around a while, they're not traditional, traditional mm-hmm. powers.
1: And they're there's certainly no strangers to uh, to one another on the football field, specifically <laughs> under the pretense of Friday's game, which is part of the, uh, I guess the headline, the headliner for the 20th annual Tom Landry Classic. A, um, a, a game that has been attached to Allen for quite some time. Obviously it taking place at Eagle Stadium is a big mm-hmm. reason why, but um this is actually the third 13th appearance for Allen in the Tom Landry Classic, and they've traditionally fared very well in this game. They're 12 uh, 1 overall in the Landry Classic, and that includes three wins over Cedar Hill. The most recent being two years ago in 2017, they won 23 uh, 8 in what was the first game for the Longhorns under their current head coach, Carlos Lynn. Um, I was at that game, and you could kind of see in the, uh, you know, kind of, the, it, Cedar Hill looked like a team that was very much acclimating to just a brand new, you know, brand new head coach. It's a lot of newness around that. Program at the time, and you know, I just remember some uh, a lot of executional lapses on Cedar Hills' end that Allen was able to capitalize on. Granted, this is the first game of the season. There's going to be that sort of stuff all over the place. Um, but nevertheless, um, I mean, you look at like last season between these two teams and two teams that look like they were primed for big runs. I mean, you look at uh, but at the same time, teams that probably ended the season with a bit of a sour taste in their mouths. Obviously, Allen. Anything less than a state championship is considered a uh, you know just not up to par. So them going to the state semifinals. Albeit for the seventh consecutive year. You know, certainly them falling short against Duncanville, they have not forgot about that one. And then you got a team like Cedar Hill, which I had to go back and check. Like, I completely forgot just what a tear Cedar Hill began Mm -hmm. last season on. I mean, some of the results that they Mm -hmm. racked up, I mean, they started the year with a 57 7 win over John Tyler. Yeah. And you look at what John Tyler wound up doing in 5A, going four rounds deep in Mm -hmm. the playoffs. I mean, Cedar Hill just came out guns blazing to start the season. Very next week, they shut out Denton Geyer 28 0. Uh, They won their first five games by at least 17 points, and then they had a weird, like seven to three, lost a Mansfield Summit a game, <laughs> one of the more just goofy results of you'll see all season, and then. You know, the big thing about Cedar Hill was I mean, the the explosiveness of that offense. I mean, the big plays that they're capable of rattling off. I went back through and checked. They had uh, 20 touchdowns of at least 30 yards last season. A ton. And a lot of ones, like I'm talking like 99-yard touchdowns, <laughs> 85-yard mm-hmm. touchdowns. I mean, they could score in the blink of an eye. But you saw as the season went along, um, that explosiveness kind of was subdued a bit. They only had one of those touchdowns um, of at least 30 yards over their last four games. They averaged only 21.3 points per game over the last four, culminating in one of the more shocking results of the entire season—a 23-21 first-round playoff loss to a uh, a fairly unheralded Richardson-Pierce squad, the fourth-place finisher out of uh, out of 86A. So, uh, a Cedar Hill team that certainly feels like they've uh, they left a little bit of meat on the bone last season, and they get a chance to make a statement to start the season. As does Allen, with I mean, Allen's going to be breaking in a. a Tons of new faces and all sorts of uh, integral places. So um, let's kind of uh, just take a look at what um, what each of these teams is bringing to the table from a from a personnel standpoint. Starting with Cedar Hill, you know, I mean, we've talked we talked last week about Allen extensively in our uh, our District Nine Six Eight preview. They get tons of love on this podcast. So let's talk about the team that folks are probably a bit less familiar with, as far as what Cedar Hill brings back. it all starts with Quinn Bright, the the Texas yeah. Tech commit. They're uh, they're all purpose athlete. I mean, they use him all over the place. I went back and just was watching some highlight tape just to see not so much. I mean, you expect you're going to see some great plays um, from him, but more so just how he was being used last season as far as maybe an indication of what uh, of what's to be expected. I mean, there is not a spot on that offense where he didn't line up. It seems. I mean, he was scoring touchdowns. You know, running the ball out of the backfield as a running back. You know, going deep as a as a wide receiver out of the backfield. They line him up on the outside. They line him up on the inside. They even line him up near the goal line as a wildcat quarterback a couple times that I saw. I mean, he is a Swiss Army knife of the highest order. He, um, let's see, as, uh, as far as stats go, he totaled 755 yards of offense, nine touchdowns. He split that production almost entirely between, not entirely, but right down the middle between rushing and receiving. I mean, he is a threat in, um, in every conceivable way for um, you know, for the Salon defense to be wise for him. And, you know, you look in the backfield they got some experience there with Christian Hallman, who was their second leading rusher last season. The offensive line has one of these state's top offensive tackles in Cortland Ford, an LSU commit, who is six foot six, three hundred and five pounds. He's a bit like a Game <laughs> of Thrones character. And then you have, um, you know, in the, uh, at the quarterback spot, they graduated their starter from last season, but they're not going to be lacking in experience there. They bring over Caden Salter, who transfers in from Bishop Lynch, mm-hmm. and he led the uh, led the Friars to a state runner-up finish last year at the uh, at the private school level. Um, let's see. Otherwise, uh, defensively, you know, it, I mean, it's uh, you know, you talk about Cedar Hilland. I mean, it's talented all three. Levels on defense and a lot of college level prospects. I mean, up front, whether it's Matthew Arabasal and Leon Young, the secondary has, I mean, two, three guys that are going to be playing Division One football, most likely at some point between Brett Lynch, Jalen Peoples, Kevin Young. Um, there's just, there's really not a whole lot of, you know, just a, a defi- defined flaws within this Cedar Hill bunch. Certainly to begin the season, one of the more well rounded teams that Allen has ever seen.
3: Yeah, well, and I think that it just speaks to the caliber of the program. You know, like you were talking about, it's the same kind of thought that we have about Allen as far as, you know, oh, there's all this turnover and and people are kind of doubting what Allen's going to look like and Mm -hmm. and they're breaking in so many different faces and the offensive line is going to be totally new, but it's still, it's Mm Allen. You know, these programs that have established themselves as these perennial contenders and these top dogs and, and uh, the turnover is is negligible because they just keep reloading. And and they bring in guys like Salter. Um, you know, last year, a perfectly respectable season, <laughs> 1,200 yards, um, almost 300 yards on the ground. Um, and, and that's with, you know, a private school. Mm-hmm. You know, that's with Bishop Lynch. Yeah, a so run-heavy
1: offense. Yeah,
3: and, and an offense that's not really built for that. So you bring him in to, you know, you talk about Quinn Bright and, mm-hmm. and all the other talent you know, around him at Cedar Hill, he's the kind of player that you can plug into a team like that and and maybe utilize him in a different way. And and I think he's a a real candidate for a breakout year. So, yeah, I mean, it's...
2: And I'm 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 curious to see how Cedar Hill comes out. I mean, you mentioned their hot start last year. I don't really picture them as a hot starting team because there's been several years where you look in week eight, week nine, and there's scenarios where they don't make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Now, they always find a way, and a lot of times they make deep runs, sometimes winning a state title with three or four losses. So I always kind of looked at them as a team that kind of blossoms late in Mm -hmm. the year, gains momentum, and is ready to go by the time the playoffs are roll around. Um, you know. Obviously, if they can get out to the same kind of start they did last year against John Tyler, it's going to be a great game. You wonder what kind of chip they have on their shoulder, not just losing to Pierce mm-hmm. in their last outing, but just the fact that Allen's had their number over the yeah. years. So, uh, you know, it's just going to be really – I think it's going to be – I mean, obviously, it's our game of the week, but mm-hmm. – uh, outside of, you know, I mean, there's so many great games with Katie and Kalina Park-North Shore and yeah. you look around the state, but I mean, this is a top five game in the state, without a doubt.
1: You know, i like to I want to build off what you said about Salter, because mm-hmm. it's, it is a valuable experience, though, what he, you know, what he went through at the private school level last year, yeah. because even though, you know, it's not necessarily the same as, like, the 6A right. that he's going to be going against, the Dallas area is far and away the most yeah, talented where you region be in, be in the sure. state as far as private school football goes, so to lead Bishop Lynch mm-hmm. to, to the state title, game when yep. they lost to the rival, Bishop Dunn. I mean, you're going through, I mean, a mm-hmm. talent level that is a bit more, it's, the drop-off is not going to be that yeah. drastic well, and, from what he's going to be seeing this and season.
3: And postseason experience is postseason experience. You know, it's at the private school level, but, you know, having to kind of fight through that style of tournament, and like you said, play those kinds of teams week after week, and, you know, it's what you ideally are gonna be doing at Cedar Hill. I mean that's that's the game plan and, and the objective for Cedar Hill every year is, is to go three, four, five rounds deep, maybe to the, you know, state title game or whatever. So, you know, it's it's not like he's coming in as this kind of green uh, junior, without a ton of experience, for mm-hmm. sure.
1: Um, Allen's also got some experience on this side of the quarterback position, despite the fact that um, this you know this player did not start for them last season. But I'm not sure how many players, how many backup quarterbacks in the state period had the had the kind of numbers that Raylan Sharp did. Again, despite not starting a game, he, um, he totaled 1,200 yards of offense and 16 touchdowns, exclusively as a backup. <laughs> um, I mean, it, 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 within that, it's numbers like averaging 14 yards per carry on the ground. Now granted, these were against second team you know, units most of the time. Uh, Cedar Hill is a far cry from,
2: from that to say the least. Well, but probably basic play calling too. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not opening up the playbook for sure, when you right. game. So game. Um,
1: but then you look elsewhere around that offense and guys like Selden Manning, who actually played in this game two years ago as only a sophomore. He was a slot receiver for Allen at the time. Um, you know, then he's I mean, he's going to be you know, leading the backfield at running back. He went for 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns last season. Um, wide receivers, as uh, as vaunted, a one-two punch as it gets in the state. The twin, the other uh, twin terrors on the outside with Blaine and Bryson Green. Both of them six foot one, two hundred pounds, just absolute wrecking balls and physicality. And uh, they both have nearly twenty Division One offers to their names. Um, you mentioned the offensive line, and that's—I mean—that is right at the center of kind of where I'm, where my eyes are going to be, uh, you know, drifting towards most for uh, for tomorrow night. Is I just want to see this new look Allen offensive line replacing five starters from last season, and um, just how it looks against what is probably going to be one of the more athletic and talented defensive fronts that they're going to see all season. Um, and the same thing kind of applies on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball, where they return only one starter, linebacker Jaden Healy. But that is partially mitigated just because they did have several guys that played extensive snaps, because Allen's defensive line rotates so frequently, so you still had guys like Cole Latos, Michael Owen who mm-hmm. played at least 275 snaps this season. So well,
2: Allen has depth. <laughs> Allen imagine, imagine. I mean,
1: imagine, I know, what a concept. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, beyond that, it's uh, the, the secondary is going to be brand new as well, guys like Zaytik McGee, Will Drogosh. <coughs> um, you know, guys that are going to be really tasked with having to subdue a, a, a Cedar Hill offense that is going to give them one of the more unique tests that they're going to see right out of the gate because that was what head coach terry gamble mentioned right out of the shoot is just lauding that cedar hill athleticism and the big playability and i mean just stressing the need to just you cannot have mental bus and coverage you've got to tackle well just because against teams like cedar hill that can turn a you know a a seven yard play into a 45 yard or just like that i mean it's it reduces your margin for error when you have you know an offense that has the athletes like cedar hill that are so prone to uh you're just breaking any play open um, so that's, I mean, as far as just kind of matchups to watch in this thing, I mentioned the you know the line of scrimmage. I'm mm-hmm. fascinated to see how Allen's offensive line holds up, just because, and what that means for a guy like Raylan Sharp, because mm-hmm. this is going to be the first time his his first ever varsity start. The workload that he's going to see is unlike anything that he's ever had on his plate, and he's going to be seeing a defensive front that is way more talented mm-hmm. than anything that he's gone against. Um, again, he's fast. <laughs> he's really yep. fast. He is a, a star on the track team. He's um, he, I mean he. Brings more speed to the position than any quarterback that Allen has had since Kyler Murray, um, and I think that that speeds, despite his you know his inexperience at the position, I think that speeds going to translate. It's more so kind of through the air or kind of mm-hmm. more in a wait and see approach on how he looks having to throw the ball you know 15 to 20 times per game. But you know, Coach Gamble talked a lot about just with the, with the offense period, just kind of staying within your specific mm-hmm. role, not trying not trying to do too much, especially you know early in the season is you know there's still you know these. Guys are still getting used to each other, in a sense. Like, there's so much newness, so many, uh, you know, new faces within these positions. So, yeah, I mean, what you see on Friday is far from the finished product on either side. But, I don't know, I'm excited to see how it works out. Um, the other matchup to watch, you know, we don't want to leave that out, just, again, the Green Twins and there, I mean, the talent that they bring to the table going up against that Cedar Hill Secondary. I mean, you're going to have moments where there's, I mean... You know, four or five different Division One prospects battling out just between those two positional groups alone. Um, it should be a should be a fun one. Where are you guys leaning as far as uh, a prediction goes for this game, though?
2: Never picking us Allen. Yeah, classic. classic. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean,
3: well, just at it's, home in general. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's Allen. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a, a 21, 28, 35 point blowout. Obviously, I think that this is a year where these two teams are are going to be tight. I think it's going to be a competitive football mm-hmm. game, but.
2: Yeah, I mean, Allen by, I don't know, 10, 14, probably, yeah. something like that. I, I just, <clears throat> I think with the system, again, they have, there's a lot of 6A programs that have depth, but if, who rivals Allen in terms of Nobody. just the sheer number of players, and the sheer number of players they can rotate out, yeah. and I mean, just the quality on down. When you talk about, just not just the varsity, but through the JV and through the freshmen, mm-hmm. um, so programs like that are more well-equipped to hit the ground running week one week two whereas you know i'm not not saying cedar hill can like they did last year against the great john tyler team yeah. i just you're just more inclined to say i know Allen's going to be there they're going to be prepared they got their system mm-hmm. they know what they're going to come out and do as opposed to a cedar hill team that albeit we don't know as much about um, on our end from a coverage standpoint um it's just Allen's at home, and they've proven it time and time again.
1: Yeah, despite Allen's inexperience on defense, I mean, they've been through this before. They mm-hmm. t- they tend to graduate large senior classes on that side of the ball more often than not. And that is always, I mean, having th- you know, just thinking back to over the years, covering Allen's season opener over the years, that, that unit always looks like it's in mid-season form. They always come out a bit further ahead, um, and that's just a testament to defensive coordinator Corey Keane and his staff and the job that they do getting these kids acclimated, because it, it's a team that does not take too long to get its feet wet. Um, and then just you look at just basic numbers, like Allen hasn't lost a regular season game since 2012. They've never lost an Eagle stadium, and yes, their track record in the Landry Classic, including against Cedar Hill. Um, you just, it's one of those teams that just there just isn't enough tangible evidence to really ever pick against them at this juncture of the season. Now, we'll see. Cedar Hill is a bit better than most of the teams that Allen traditionally opens up mm-hmm. against. I think this will be a closer one. I picked Allen by eight. That's my, uh, that's my final margin. But... Um, and it was a clean sweep for Allen on the picket line. So yes, we are all in unison and thinking that Allen begins the season on a one and no note. And that was our game of the week. Um, you know, we've still got four others on the docket, and um, let's see. We will uh, we will pick that up in just a moment after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media, 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now let's get back to the podcast. We are out here at Allen High School talking with Elijah Fisher, defensive lineman for the Allen Eagles. Allen kicks off its season Friday, seven o'clock out here at Eagle Stadium against Cedar Hill, part mm. of the Tom Landry Classic. Elijah, thank you for taking the time to chat there. Thank you for having me. I mean, it is uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so the uh, yeah, kickoff is a little over forty-eight hours away. I am um, just, what is the uh, the energy been like around the program this week, and just how excited is everybody for that first game to almost be here?
4: Yeah, like I said, excited. We're all excited. Uh, we're excited to. Hit different guys. We've been going squad on squad, so we get a little bit of taste of Friday Night Lights. So
1: now I uh, know you guys have uh, been going through this off season. I guess without as much experience as you guys have had than usual. So, um, what has that kind of been like? I mean, with the time that you've been around this program, what has it been like working with a little, a few more new faces than usual yeah. during the off season?
4: Um, a lot of, a lot of the underclassmen stepped up. Man, a big thing. having that as leadership it's a big thing um senior leadership starts with the captain goes to uh, our leadership council and filters down through that but big things leadership uh just talk
1: a bit about i guess your role specifically how has that kind of grown this season compared to where you were at at this time last year
4: um i would say it's like more of a leadership role i mean guys last year looked up to me felt i I held my own and led the team as a junior but now that i'm kind of captain kind of captain the ship is a odd way to put it but that's analogy.
1: Now you're uh, now you're moving uh, positional change this year. You're moving yes, from uh, you're you an all-district selection at tight end last year and yes, you're sir. moving to the defensive line this season. Talk a bit about what that transition
4: has been like. Um, it's been great. Uh, the coaches here are great, man. Uh, nothing but great things to say about them. Make it easy and uh, if they feel I can help on the defensive side of the ball, I'll play it. Now, you, uh, it means fans won't be able to see a number 95 catching passes anymore, <laughs> which I'm not gonna lie on
1: hindsight, a little unstable. Yeah. So, I mean, was now, did you begin last season, I guess, with the expectation that you were gonna play defense? Is that why you wore the 95? People yes, don't sir. normally associate that with uh, with the defensive lineman. Just talk a bit about the uh, wearing 95 yes, while playing sir. offense last year.
4: Well, it was, it just kind of, when we went through spring ball, they asked me, Hey, do you want to change your number? And I was like, yeah, let's try it, because I was going to play defensive tackle, but I mm-hmm. uh, ended up back on offense, so I just kind of stuck, and 95 just, I liked how they looked on, on me, so.
1: Right on. Now, I would say, uh, now the defensive line, another group that lost a lot of guys to graduation, some yes, big sir. ones, Jaden Jernigan, yes, Seth sir, Mason, yes, and sir. whatnot, so just kind of talk a bit about kind of how that positional group has been coming along, and how you guys are feeling about
4: it right uh, I, I would say we feel very comfortable. We got uh, Michael Onzerike, he's a great, great cat at D-tackle. He played a bunch last year. Um, Cole Latos, he actually played defensive end last year. He's on uh, he's at D Tackle too and Malik Allen man he's 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 like my partner and the guy on the other side of defensive end um. It's great, man. We're having great chemistry, and like you said, the older guys, we look up to them. We watch their film, like Emmanuel Nacori, I watch a bunch of his hand placement film, and how he gets off the ball, so I mean, they've been great as as a way to look up to. Now looking ahead
1: to this game on Friday, it's part of the Tom Landry Classic, oh, yeah. and this is the 20th year of the Tom Landry that's Classic. Right. It's a game that's it's been associated quite a bit with Allen over the years, obviously taking place here at Eagle that. Stadium, and you guys have played in this game a ton, so um, what does it mean just to be um, just to have your program so associated with, uh, with, with an event like that? this?
4: Um, Tom Lynch just man. Since I've moved here, moved here in eighth grade, I've, they've been great, man. I, they pull the best crowds. We have the best games. Um, I met Tom one time. He was, he was uh, yeah, or his son, I think, or maybe one of them, but he was great, man, and it's great to win, and we expect to win every year, so.
1: I and mean, yeah, you got a got a good one on Friday, yes, Cedar right. Hill. It's uh, you know D- Cedar Hill and Allen, two of the more story programs in Texas over the uh, last decade. So uh, just talk a bit about what you're uh, what you're expecting out of Cedar Hill and what's the initial read on what they bring to the table.
4: Uh, we know they have a great great athletic offense. Uh, the left tackle for them four star. He's mm-hmm. well known around the country. Um, decommitted from LSU. The whole nine. Their quarterback's super athletic. He likes to run a lot. So I mean, for us, our defensive plan is is. Basically cater to that, and we and we we expect to have a great game with them guys. So uh, before I let you go, I'm just kind of lay out some uh, some keys
1: to victory and what is it going to take for Allen to begin the season one and zero. Um,
4: most of it is stay grounded, play fast, play physical, um, no mistakes, no mental errors, um, and just stay focused. Man, we had two more practices this week than his game day, so especially today and tomorrow, we definitely want to stay focused here and get ready to play.
1: Awesome, Elijah. Well, yes, that's all I had for you, man. Yes, Once sir. again, uh, Friday, 7 o'clock, yes, out here at Eagle Stadium in Allen. Allen versus Cedar Hill, Tom Landry Classic. It yes, ought to be a fun one. Uh, Elijah, best of luck to you and Thank the rest you. of the team preparing for the game, and uh, thanks for taking the time to shout for the podcast. Yes, sir. Thanks so much. And we are back. We just finished uh, talking extensively about our game of the week for week one of high school football season, Allen versus Cedar Hill. Uh, We had four other games that were up for consideration, though, and we can quick hit those, give our initial thoughts and some predictions on where we see those games uh, shaking out. Devin, you got a couple in your neck of the woods, including the game that you're going to be at on Friday. Uh, It was a heck of a game last year. One of the better games (laughs) appeared in our coverage area. Uh, Saxie and Capel.
2: Yeah. uh, first time their first ever meeting last year uh, was one to remember <laughs> um, obviously came down to the wire with Miles Nash uh, scoring I believe 21 seconds left to give them a lead and when you score 21 seconds left you think we've got this but not when Caden Davis mm-hmm. uh, plays for their team the outstanding Coppell kicker uh, who's uh, A&M bound so, uh, signed yeah. with A&M uh, he kicks a 57 yarder as time expires um, to, to win at 30 to 28 so uh, can we expect similar fireworks similar dramatics uh, possibly but it's going to be with some new faces, I guess, on both sides. Uh, you know, Saxe just doesn't have the star power at the skill positions yet mm-hmm. that we're accustomed to. I mean, they've been rolling out Division One quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers uh, for the last several years. And they may still have that in their arsenal. It's just really uncertain right now. They will be breaking the quarterback uh, Xavier Foreman. Uh, Parker Wells both got kind of dipped their toe in the water last year before Derrick Rose took over. Uh, They're both going to get a look at quarterback. Mm -hmm. They thought they had their go-to running back in Miles Nash, who transferred this summer uh, to Fort Worth Southwest Christians. So we'll see how they handle uh, the running back situation. They have been one of those groups that has gone by committee in years past that may pay dividends uh, with a guy like Sean Coleman, who did get experience last year. Again, uh, question marks on the, at the wide receiver. They don't know who their go-to guy is there. Uh, they do have the load group having three returners uh, back on the start on the offensive line, mm-hmm. so that'll that'll help them. Um, you know, same way defensively. You know, they they've got some some nice players, some nice you know on the line. In the front seven I think is going to be really good. Uh, Secondary is a little bit inexperienced. Uh, going against uh, you know a Coppell team that kind of I mean they they return their quarterback uh, Drew Cerniglia. Is that how you pronounce it?
1: Actually, he transferred to oh, okay. Allen. Okay, he's at Allen now. <laughs> really? They have, they have, um, then I take that back.
2: They bring back. Will we'll not bring tra- back. Why would he transfer to Allen. They have Kevin Schumann now. Kevin Schumann, the, the Jesuit quarterback. Okay. Here. Well, rotating doors on that side. Of <laughs> yeah. things. So, yeah, this is why Capel
1: it, was very in flux as far as they had three of the uh, of what was projected to be their the three best players, perhaps, were coming back on the offense, have all transferred, with Saniglia and Allen, K.J. Liggins, the star receiver, He is a Denton guy.
2: Yeah, I knew, I knew Liggins was gone. And then
1: their stud but, offensive lineman Garrison Wheatley, he is out in Virginia.
2: Okay, uh, and they already graduated Ryan Hurt. Yes. So, so yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of questions all around mm-hmm. on, on, as far as Coppell's concerned. Um, I mean, both teams, I think this is going to be one of those true week one games yeah. where it's it's a little, I mean, a lot of times you'll see it It'll get sloppy, turnovers, penalties. I mean, that's just routine for any program, but especially one with both sides breaking in as, ne- as many new players yeah. as they are.
1: This game is Friday, seven o'clock out at Williams Stadium in Garland. The picket line was unanimous in thinking this is going to be a reversal of yeah, fortunes this time around.
2: <laughs> and I was really surprised about that. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I, could, I mean, not that not that I don't think Saxie could win. Obviously I picked Saxie to win, mm-hmm. but it was one of those I didn't just immediately go down and jot down Saxsi. I had a, I mean, I thought about it, and you know, because again, Saxie has a lot. Of, a lot more question marks than they've had in recent years.
1: Ditto for Capel, and uh, but yes, nevertheless, the picket line is unanimous in thinking Saxey is going to return the favor and defeat Capel on Friday. Um, let's see another game. We get the uh, the latest chapter in the McKinney versus McKinney North rivalry. This game Friday, seven o'clock out at McKinney ISD Stadium. Uh, this was the first game that kicked off the uh, the opening of the stadium last mm-hmm. season with uh, with North defeating the uh, the Lions. Um, you know, a bit of a different pretense heading into this season with McKinney being. In its second year under head coach Marcus Shavers, mounting that uh, that impressive late season charge where they overcame an 0-5 start and still managed to make the playoffs. Um, you know, with North, it's um, I'm, I'm fascinated just to see how that offense shakes out against, which should be a fairly stout McKinney defense. With um, you know Dylan Markowitz, who is in his first full year as the uh, as their starting quarterback. You know, he split time with Cam Constantine over the years. Um, you know, running back Manny Fincher is the latest and a. Uh, you talk about programs that have a storied lineage at a certain position. I mean, McKinney North is always cranking. Out good running backs, and then uh, Brandon Frazier, one of the uh, you know one of the top tight ends in the uh, in the state, one of the top you know top tight ends in the country for that matter. And um, I mean, yeah, just McKinney's defense was such a uh, was so central to the turn the job they did turning the uh, turning the thing around last year. They're led up front by Mitchell Tyler, committed to Baylor. Um, I'm just curious to see how um, how McKinney's running back situation shakes out. It sounds like there are two three names in the mix mix there, which is such a departure from years past when they've had that workhorse feature mm-hmm. back that was almost a and to, to be among the top two three uh, you know area rushing leaders um, and especially how that shakes out against a north defense that's been a little bit susceptible over the years ultimately though I end up siding with North on this one um, with again just um still kind of in wait and see mode on that uh, yep. on that McKinney offense um, see, and I was I was not alone. Let's see the uh, the picket line went. Uh, it was five to one, or four to one, I should say. We only have five people in the picket line this year, unfortunately. Rest in peace, Justin Thomas. Um, let's see, four to one in favor of uh, of McKinney North. Uh, Brian Murphy, the lone backer for the McKinney Lions. Uh, Devin Taylor, myself, and Kendrick all riding with the Bulldogs.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I think. And if you were going from a momentum standpoint, you know, at the end of the way McKinney ended last season, mm-hmm. then you would certainly go with that. I'm just not again, I think they have some holes that need yeah. to be filled and I mean, you know, you talk about having Dylan Markowitz back, but with the, some of the coaches in Mesquite IST that I talked to last year were talking about Manny Fincher and how impressed they were with him, even, oh, yeah. it, you know, in limited snaps last year. You talk about the lineage of running backs. I think he's Maybe the next breakout guy that you see come through five A um, from a program that seems to have a tendency to produce them. So that's I just I think it's going to be high scoring. I mean all McKinney North games are high mm-hmm. scoring. It seems like, yeah. um, but it was yeah that was the way I leaned that way.
1: Yeah, Kendrick Johnson just did a uh, feature last week on Manny Fincher, and it does sound like that is kind of a program wide sentiment that this kid is is very much ready to uh, to take off. Should be interesting to see how that shakes out because I mean McKinney's got talent on defense, so that's yeah. it should be easier said than done. Um, let's see elsewhere we have. Plano versus Hebron, two teams that are no stranger to each other at this time of the year. Um, Let's see. Plano versus Hebron. This one is Friday, 7 o'clock, out at Hawk Stadium. This is the 12th consecutive year that Plano and Hebron have played each other. And they have not been in the same district during that span. I mean, I went back through and outside of Plano East, Plano West, and Allen. Um, those are the only other teams that have played Plano twelve consecutive years during that yep. span, and they have shared the same district with the Wildcats. So certainly a uh, you know a special little sentiment between the the Wildcats and the Hawks as far as a familiarity, um, you know, to keep this this uh, this rivalry going for as as long as they have, despite not being in the same district. Um, this has been such a tough game to pick over the years.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about it earlier. Even when it down. doesn't <laughs> seem like it. Even when it doesn't Never seem like it. Right. I think that's the weirdest, probably, thing about it. I mean, it's 6-5 Plano, so the, the series history doesn't help you at all. <laughs> and then it, it seems like every time there's like, oh, well, clearly this team is the better football team. It doesn't matter. Like, six of the 11 um, have been decided by a touchdown or less. So... That doesn't matter. It it just seems like it always comes down to the final play. The last two were by a point.
2: Yep. (laughs) And and sometimes it has no bearing on the rest of the season. In fact, (laughs) you'll see the winner of this game kind of go into a a tailspin late, and the loser of this game will end up going three, four rounds deep in the playoffs. It's
3: it's like last year – you know, Hebron got them 28-27, I think, yeah. was the final score. And and that gives you hope if you're a Plano fan because you're like, wow, you know, Hebron, you know, with, with what they had and, and kind of the outlook, I guess, for that season, you know, you guys were competitive. It was going to be a, a, an up-and-down year. And then Plano kind of just... You know, fades into obscurity a little bit And and Hebron goes and, you know, does what Hebron does But, um, you know, I I get the same feeling this year You know, that that Hebron, I think, is is far and away You know, probably going to have the more successful overall season I think it's set up for more success, Mm -hmm. but
1: question mark. Yeah. I don't know. Plano plays, played above his head in this matchup, and it's one where I would say on both sides, just do not overreact to the outcome of this game, yeah. because history says yep. this game is not exactly a harbinger of, of things to come uh, for either of these teams. Um, as far as, though, if we're just simply going to pick a winner and a loser, one thing about last year's game that um, is worth mentioning, because you can't leave it out, um, Carson Harris, the quarterback, did not play in this game. He mm-hmm. was held out of the season opener. He um, would go on to amass one of the more impressive dual threat campaigns of mm-hmm. any quarterback in the area. He's back, and, I mean, they've got just all sorts of talent everywhere yep. on the roster. It's insane how good that team looks on paper. Um, I'm just really high on Hebron. I mean, yep. I said as much picking them to win the district on Monday's podcast. I'm not about to then pick him to lose their first game of the season, even though, you know, it's against one of the teams that I cover. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, i got to go with my brain on this one. So, I pick Hebron to win, and so did everybody else. The staff yep. <laughs> was unanimous in picking, the Hebron, picking Hebron to beat Plano. Time will tell if we will regret so, so that decision. So,
2: congratulations, Wildcats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, twenty nine, twenty eight,
1: Plano. Uh, all right, so let's round this out then with a look at uh, one of the bigger games in the 5A area, a uh, game that resonates in your neck of the woods, Devin. Uh, Denton Ryan against Poteet, and this one is Friday? Friday, yes. Friday 7 at C.H. Collins? Yes, correct. I should have that written down, so I'm not having <laughs> to say it like I'm Ron Burgundy. Um, so let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, this... potie gets a chance to take down one of the premier juggernauts in 5A, so just talk a bit about this matchup and where you're leaning.
2: Yeah, as far as teams in our coverage area, you'd be hard-pressed to find one that faces a bigger challenge than yeah. Denton Ryan uh, is ranked number two in the state. Uh, back-to-back 14-1 and seasons that have ended with That's their good. own loss in the state That's through finals really to Highland Park. Yeah. Um and when you just look at what they bring back, they bring back what? so much to this one <laughs> talent. I yeah. mean, it's just when you when you got your quarterback, Seth Hennigan, who he threw for nearly 2,000 yards and 20 yeah. touchdowns, and he's not even the star of that offense mm-hmm. because you got guys like Billy Bowman, Jatavian Sanders, uh, Imani Bailey, who rushed for 1,284 yards last year, uh, Drew Sanders, who was a spirulet of award winner in that district. All these guys are Division One prospects, basically, and that's just on offense, mm. and not even getting into to a, a solid offensive line, and even def- and defensively, Denton Ryan is always stout. Uh, they allowed uh, just fourteen point nine points a game mm-hmm. uh, per game last year, and really the only team that got him was Highland Park, uh, who scored forty three, but who didn't Highland Park get with, with that <laughs> machine? Um, so it's obviously a tremendous challenge for Poteet. Um, You know the Pirates in the slouch themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they returned Seth McGowan, uh, one of the top running backs in the state, uh, rushed for 1,600 yards, 25 touchdowns last year. Uh, interesting to see Jaylon Police slides into that starting quarterback role. Mm-hmm. So you never know how a guy who's going to uh, to handle his first start, especially against a defense that's going to keep you on the run like that. Uh, but he's a good athlete. He, he's a good basketball player. Uh, had an impressive spring. Mm-hmm. He's got some talented wide receivers to throw to. He's got it. experience offensive line and defensively i think i think poteet has the ability to, to kind of contain those guys is you're not going to shut them down by any stretch of the imagination but you know guys like Jalen hoda who's a playmaker uh in the secondary he was a defensive player in the year in 75a division one uh last season uh johnny can Jalen jaylen uptight some of those linebackers the lines in good shape i mean so poteet has has the personnel to certainly make it competitive um whether it's enough to get past Denton Ryan, I don't know. Uh, I, you know I, I said earlier, the, the big, I guess the big head-to-head matchup, the key matchup within the game is um, how that Ditton Ryan front seven handles Seth McGowan. Last year, they were able to do the job. He rushed for just 59 yards, wow. no touchdowns. Uh, they loaded the box and made Poteet beat him through the God. air. Um, but it was still a competitive game. Denton Ryan won 28-14. So they just kind of had a little bit too much firepower when it was all said and done, but Poteet hung right with them for quarters. You know, I, I know Poteet's a team in my coverage area, mm. but it's so hard to go against Denton Ryan. Mm-hmm. They played five times uh in the last decade. Denton Denton Ryan's won all five. Um I did pick him to win again. Maybe that's motivation. You can mm. coach with yeah. Mc, Coach McClain his his first. Go ahead and yeah. throw it out there. Prove me wrong. I'd be l I'd love to be proven wrong. I just think um, you're looking at a, a very similar game as to last season, the way Denton Ryan wins, you know, by ten. Mm. Yeah.
3: I think there's just too much with oh, Dent Ryan, you know. Like you said, it, it for as good as they've been. You know they may be the best they've been in the last several years. This year and and true, you know state title aspirations bring everybody back. I think there's just there's just too much.
1: Yep, and the uh, the staff agrees with both of you. It's unanimous picking Den Ryan and a five zero sweep over Potteet. And that is a look at um, yeah some of the marquee games in our coverage area. As far as games that we're actually going to be out and physically in press boxes and covering and whatnot, and what is on y'all's schedule for these next couple days? Oh
3: man, I'll be everywhere. Um are <laughs> busy. Tonight, uh, I'll be out at painting for uh, Point East, L.D. Bell. Um, tomorrow, man, I don't even remember. Where am I going to be at Friday? Lake Dallas. Lake Dallas. Lake Dallas. <laughs> uh, Lake Dallas Denton. Uh, and then Saturday for the back half, you know, a lot of attention on the front half of the Tom Landry Classic with Allen and Cedar Hill, but a pretty good game uh, Saturday with Lovejoy and Collierville Heritage. I think, a, you know, kind of one of the sneaky, uh, more competitive games of week number one. It should be a fun one, so.
1: Devin, how about you?
2: I had the odd sco- scheduling quirk where I didn't have a Thursday game. Wow. Hey, that was a rarity te- for considering you. all the teams <laughs> out on, on in my coverage area. But um, but yeah, I'll be at I'll be at Williams Stadium for uh, the Saxie Coppell. Uh, rematch of that thriller from last year.
1: You mentioned the Tom Wendry Classic mm-hmm. and I will be there for the front half of that on Friday covering Allen Cedar Hill. Thursday though I'll get things started as far as uh, I'll be out in Arlington covering, uh, covering Marcus and Bowie. Should be one of the better uh, one of the better games in the area on Thursday night as our, as our Denton County papers are still in a bit of flux so I'll be picking up duty covering Marcus and their season opener. A team that I am particularly high on just listen to Monday's podcast for that and we'll <laughs> see if, uh, if they make me look like a chump early on or not. Let's <laughs> see and that will uh, do it for this edition of the Sarlo media high school sports podcast um everybody enjoy your uh, your first taste of high school football this season be it thursday friday or saturday we'll be back on monday to break down some takeaways from that very first week in the meantime folks you enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk to you all later
0: looking to hire top talent in your community look no further than starlocaljobs.com our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area